Hey there, you're with Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Escher. My guest this week is Karen Dosherty, who considers herself to be a sort of bridge between the visible and the invisible worlds. She's a psychic medium and mentor who uses her abilities to bring comfort and healing to people. We're going to talk about how she got started with mediumship, but also how she understands the spirit world she interacts with. Her home is in Scotland. You'll hear that in her lovely accent, but she does travel stateside on occasion. She'll be here in April, in fact, so I'd encourage you to check her website or social media for updates if you're interested in getting a reading in person from Karen. I should say we had a bit of a distraction during the recording of this interview. One of my birds got loose in my house and chirped excruciatingly loud throughout the interview, but due to the magic of editing, I removed almost all of the ear-splitting background banter. It was a veritable triumph in sound engineering for this sister, let me tell you. It took a lot of time. At any rate, let's get to the interview. I really appreciate Karen's down-to-earth insights regarding communication with the spirit world, and I'm sure you will too. She's a gem. Sit tight. Here we go. Karen, I'm so happy to have you. Welcome to Disembodied Podcast. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started with mediumship? I understand that it runs in your family, but can you tell me how you launched into it as a career and how you were trained or maybe not trained into mediumship? Yeah, of course. I mean, as as a child, um, when I used to see spirit people and spirit beings, I always knew, I had that inner knowledge somehow that they weren't of this world, but they were real. Uh, and I never ever was frightened of that. And I never really questioned that on any level. So it was something that was quite natural within me at that point, even as a youngster. Um, as I went through my teenage years and really became more aware of it, more aware of their voices or that they would talk to me rather than me just seeing them, I knew it was something then that I had to look into and develop. And Really, the way I done that was really by just being involved with uh, other mediums, speaking to other mediums. And I used to go to what we call spiritualist churches and centres here in the UK. There's many of them around. And I used to go myself every week, you know, maybe twice or three times a week to watch the visiting medium. Uh, And it was on one of these visits that she spoke to me and then said to me, you know, you need to look into this. And I kind of responded with, I don't know, I can't do that. You know, I, I I see them, but I don't know I can do that. And she said, yes, you can absolutely do that. So I joined a home development circle, which is just a little group of people, same time every week, we used to meet and just really develop the skills of mediumship. And as soon as I really sat within that group, I just knew it felt right. It was almost like the penny had dropped and suddenly I knew who I was. Suddenly I knew this is what I'm supposed to do. It was it was a real moment for me at that point. And then it just kind of grew and continued quite naturally from there. So everything came pretty naturally to you. Did you have to hone your skills, like how to tune into people? I would imagine that you can attune to people pretty well, but maybe in the beginning you had to attune to people quickly. So how did you adjust to that? You're right. You know, it does take practice and it takes time. And more than that, it takes trust. It's about trusting that what you're picking up isn't your own feeling or that you are 
connected to someone, whether it's someone psychically in this side of life or mediumistically in the other. And it's it's just learning how to gauge, you know, what the feeling is. How does it come in? So it definitely takes time to develop that skill. It's not something that, you know, happens just by me looking at someone. It, it's something that I need to work on and did in the beginning of, okay, how, how does this work for me? How does this feel differently to my own stuff? And development of that can take time. And I think that's one thing that I've learned throughout this whole journey is that it's an ongoing thing. Development never stops as a medium. You will always pick up different ways of working. Your spirit team introduce different ways of working for you at different times. So it's something that as a medium, I have to be open to all the time. Are there certain ways you pick up on impressions more readily, like when you hold something that the person you're doing a reading for holds or wears a lot? their key fob or something they wear, such as a necklace, for example, would that help you or do you work differently? It can. It, it can provide a tool to kind of get into that psychic space for someone. So if you're if I was to take something of yours, a piece of jewelry and hold that, then that's called psychometry. And what I do is feel that, you know, the energy of that piece of jewelry and it can open up psychically to me who you are. It can show me things about your life because I've opened myself up with that piece of jewellery. So it gives me that contact. So tools like that, psychometry and such like, do help a medium or they can help a medium. Personally, I, I can do all of those things and I've used those things in the past. But personally, for me, it doesn't make a difference, you know, whether I'm holding something or not or holding someone's hand or not. It really is maybe a preference or it's maybe just something that somebody has used within their own skills so they get used to it. But ideally speaking, a medium should be able to link with the source from the spirit side or the, the psychic sense in front of them, regardless of tools. Tools can help some people, though. And I, I, I demonstrate that with students all the time. And some students love, you know, using tarot cards or psychometry with pieces of jewellery and other ones don't. So I, I think it becomes just a, a kind of preference. The only exception to that rule probably would be if someone was missing. So mediums are used quite a lot for police and, you know, missing persons. And if someone's missing, holding something of theirs can definitely help the medium tune in to the energy of that person and maybe, you know, gauge where they are or the feelings that surround that. Yeah, I know. That's pretty powerful. I think there's an aspect of things not always being perfectly accurate, though you can be like 80% accurate. How do you feel about that? Because I think that having any type of psychic awareness is kind of like looking through a keyhole. You can see things going on in the next room, but you're not going to see everything that's going on. What's your position on that? I totally agree with that, Evie. I think that, you know, a medium should be able to say that as much as we would love to be, you know, 100% correct, it just doesn't happen that way. And the reason for that is that mediumship is through the, the mind. It's a mental mediumship. So the spirit side of life have to communicate with me through my own mind too. They have to use what I got to be able to get the communication to me. So my mind can easily jump into something, you know, if I'm distracted or maybe just not picked something up correctly, or it may be that my mind interprets that piece of information in a way that doesn't really make sense for the person that's in front of me. So there is always room for that to happen. 
open. I would say in any reading, someone should most likely get 90% correct, you know, 90% roundabout where you as the recipient should expect that and the medium should expect that so that it always leaves that kind of 10% area to say I'm wrong or I've picked that up wrong or I just don't know where to place this piece of information. But the more mediums that are honest about that and it's something that I talk about a lot you know mediumship needs to be honest and it needs to be real so that people can trust what you're bringing them so if there's room for error on the medium's part or even room for misinterpretation if you want to call it that then the person will feel like this is real that person that medium's trying and they're being honest with me and I think that that's a big thing in mediumship. Yeah, I think I've had some weird impressions about people I haven't seen in a long time. Like recently, not too long ago, I had an impression that someone I know had had a kid. And I think I realized when I actually caught up with the person face-to-face and had a conversation, first of all, I realized they didn't have a kid. But I think what I realized is that I picked up on how they see someone they spend a lot of time with. (laughs) almost as that person is a child. And it didn't occur to me at the time of the initial impression. I was very convinced going in like, oh yeah, they had a kid and I know it and now I'm going to confirm it. So I was kind of disappointed in my interpretation of that impression. I guess it's kind of humbling sometimes. You want to think you see more than you actually do. I think also with that, it's symbolism as well. Symbolism, you know, your mind will throw up symbols or it will throw up, like I remember way back when I first started it, I was doing a reading for someone and I remember seeing my grandfather and thinking, why is he here? Like I'm doing a reading for this person and I couldn't, and I I was in in a panic. It was very early on in my development and I was thinking he shouldn't be here. And then I realized, okay, it means something else. It's not actually him, but my mind is showing me him so that I can connect it. So I was able to then kind of join the dots and say to the person, do you understand a grandfather in the spirit world who passed with a heart attack? Yes. And that's because that's the way my grandfather passed. So I was able to kind of use that. And that was a lesson for me to say, okay, my mind will throw things in there that to recognize certain situations or names or whatever. And it doesn't mean it's that person. And that's how I learned to do that. But you're right. You know, you do tend to look at things in a literal sense until you realize that there's so much more depth to messages that you receive. Yeah, yeah. The symbols can really, either you get ahead of them or they get ahead of you. I'm not sure which. Do you feel sometimes like people are anticipating you'll know too much about them? And they'll be scared of that because there is that feeling sometimes, at least I've had that feeling sometimes where I thought, oh, I wonder if they're going to pick up on something strange in the future and it's going to freak me out. Do people ever get bothered and how do you handle that? They absolutely do. And I understand why, because it is you're coming to someone and asking them to read you and your vulnerability is in there and your emotions are in there. So I understand sometimes people come and maybe they don't expect that level. They don't expect you to be able to get into their life and into their stuff. And, you know, maybe what's happened to them in the past and things that are going on right now for them. And and so, yeah, I, I do know that people come in a little bit guarded sometimes. And I've had experience where, you know, one example that jumps jumps to mind again was early on in my my work. and. 
I'd gone to someone's house to do house readings at the time and I'd read, I'd read for three of her friends and then the lady came in and I, re I was reading for her and the whole time she was just sitting there kind of looking at me and writing things down and she really wasn't verifying anything or, you know, saying it made sense, but she didn't look happy. And I said to her at the time, look, I don't know if you're enjoying this or you're feeling this is okay. I just need you to tell me if this is all right because you need to take care of that person as well. And she said to me, um, well, no, I'm not happy, which shocked me because I felt the information I was receiving from her grandmother was very evidential. And she said, um, I'm not happy because I didn't expect you to like read my whole life. I didn't expect you to know everything about my childhood and things that had happened. And I said, but that's what happens when a medium reads for you. You know, they do, they go in and they, they understand everything. And she said after it, I'm, I'm happy with what you're doing as a medium, but I just didn't expect it. And it shook her up a little bit. So I again, it was a learning curve for me because then I realised actually, yes, people are going to maybe sometimes think there's things that they might not want you to know or not want you to talk about. So as a medium now and, and a developed medium, I can use my discretion on things that I can pick up. If I know someone doesn't want to go there, I will feel it if I know they don't want me to talk about a certain subject. And also I say to people all the time, you know, there's nothing that spirit will give me that will make you fearful. So there's nothing I'm going to pick up about your future life that is going to worry you or scare you. I'm not going to pick up things about ill health. I'm not going to pick up things that are going to worry you in any way. And I think if you say that right at the beginning, it eases their mind a little bit as well. Well, you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you, how you deal with the future if you do pick up on an impression of maybe something negative happening to that person in the future. How would you deal with that? I mean, generally speaking, I can pick up things in someone's future that I am shown to help that person. So I'm really only going to be shown things that will be able to help that person get on the right path or guide them forward in some way. Now, that doesn't mean I should say things that would influence their decision. So basically, if someone's in a poor relationship, for example, one that's not serving them, it's not my place as a medium to say, yeah, you know, you're definitely going to separate from that person and, you know, X, Y and Z it's my job to be able to say to them I know that you're in this situation and I know that that's not what you're expecting and you want a different standard or such like and you know that there's going to be a fork in the road at some point for you to choose what way you're going to go because if I said oh you're definitely going to separate from that person then it influences that person's mind and they go away feeling like oh there's no point in me trying or there's no point you know I, that's not my job to do that so I have to be careful with that the other thing about you know health and such like I will really only pick that up if it's something that's currently going on so if someone comes to me and they're already ill or already have a condition that they want to know more about then I will pick up on that but I always again stipulate I'm not a doctor this is what I feel this is what I'm picking up and then the rest is up to the doctors and such like so again it's using your discretion that's probably a good plan. I mean, you don't want to get people too scared of anything. And we all have choices every day that are affecting how the future will unfold. So it's kind of hard, even if you did pick up on something a couple of years into the future, like, oh, you're going to have diabetes or something. There's so much we can do now to stop these things from happening, negative things from happening. It's like The Power of Now, that book by Eckhart Tolle. You have to kind of live in the now 
And you don't want to live in fear, but you have to make good decisions in the present. And that might be the best way to guide people, right? Live as well as you possibly can at this moment. Absolutely. And again, we all have to understand as well that as humans, you know, we are responsible for our own path. It's not for someone else to say, well, if I tell you this is going to happen in the next two years or the next five or 10 years, that means you can just sit back and let it happen. It doesn't work like that. It's something that we all have to understand It is within our own power to make our life choices, to change things. Um, there's things, you know, I've had times where people have said, you know, you know, if I picked up oh, it's a, a marriage, for instance, that's not good or someone said to me, you know, what is my decision or what should I do? I always will say I can't help you with that. But if they're asking me outright, do you see us together in three years time? I would be honest about that, too, and say, well, no, it's not what I see for you because I've been asked directly. So again, it's just, I suppose as the medium, it's using the knowledge, if I was in that position, how would I want that medium to handle this? Or what would I want to know? But also at the same time, from the medium's perspective, it is the power of now. It is keeping the person in the present and saying, make some changes, you know, raise your standards if that's what you want now. And, you know, just guiding them that way is is helpful. It seems to me that people that ask such questions already know the answers. They're wanting you just to substantiate their own feelings, maybe. Absolutely. And I've had numerous times, thousands of times people have said, you know, that just answered or confirmed my own answers, you know, and gave me that kind of extra push that what I'm feeling is right, what I'm feeling is correct. And that's a good thing for someone as well. I mean, they do look for guidance. I would say a high percentage of people that come for a reading are looking for guidance for their own lives as well. It's not just people that come to communicate with the other side. It's a, it's a mix of both. And how do you deal with clients after you've given them readings? I'm sure you have quite a few clients, and I would imagine that you get some sort of input even after you've met with them, maybe messages from spirit about them. Do you just discard those messages, push them away? Do you block them? <laughs> uh, does it affect your sleep at night? No, it, it doesn't. The spirit world know what, you know, they know what's taking place. They know that their loved one sits with me for the time that they are there. They know that that's when the communication takes place. So although, you know, occasionally, yeah, when someone leaves, I still feel a certain thing or think oh you know I've just received that but the person's already away there's nothing I can do about that that's the the session has ended I would never get in touch with someone and say after you left this is what I got because really mediumship is in the moment you know it's it's important to realize that that communication takes place between between the medium, the recipient and the spirit world all within that moment. So even after the person goes away, if I did feel something, it wouldn't be very much to be fair because the spirit person knows that their loved one has left and that there's no nothing going on. But on the occasion, I did pick up something. It's not that I would discard it. I would thank them for giving me that. But unless that opportunity came to me for me to share that, then it wouldn't be shared. Okay, I have to ask this. It's kind of a random question, but does the diet you have, the foods you choose each day, does it affect how open you are to spirit messages? Because I know if I eat meat, I have a diminished, well, a little bit less of a capacity to receive messages. So how do you feel about that? 
So I don't feel the diet affects it as such. I mean, when you connect with spirit, that connection is there. It's probably more about the energy. So it's probably for the individual what makes them feel less energetic rather than a connection. Um, So if I had had a heavy meal, for instance, um, I would feel tired. I would feel like, oh, it would be an effort to then raise my energy levels in order to raise my power in order to make that connection and get the messages. So it's probably more to do with that rather than what you're actually eating. Um, Of course, everyone's different, but in my experience, it doesn't really... I mean, if I'm doing an event, for instance, an audience reading, um, I really don't eat before it, maybe earlier in the day, but not a meal because I know my energy will be down. Um, So I wait until afterwards to eat um, because I need my energy uplifted and I need to be able to be able to move with that energy and receive what I need to receive. So definitely diet plays a part that way for me. I'm mindful of it, but I don't feel it's actually the food that I'm, I'm taking in. How do you ground yourself from day to day? What are your spiritual practices? I'm always curious about that. What do you do each day or each week that you feel makes your life better and more spiritually in touch? Well, really, a big thing for me is some form of meditation. Not really, I'm not a person that really sits and meditates every morning for an hour. My mind doesn't work that way. Once I'm up and in the day, I'm up and energetic. Um, So I'm not the type to sit in the quiet for that length of time every day. But what I do is maybe meditate once or twice a week, maybe take a long walk in nature, that kind of thing. That kind of gets me in that zone a little bit more. Generally, I speak to me, I speak to spirit every day. So if I get in the car to go for the shopping, I'm kind of saying, well, spirit, you know, what, what's going on today? Or, you know, how oh, I've got an event tonight. I've got an audience gathering tonight. So I want it to be a great night. I hope I'm able to work for you and kind of start that communication up that way. And that's really, I feel very connected to spirit all the time because of that way. Um, the way that I close it down again, if we want to call it that. So if I've done an audience reading or I've done some readings uh, in person or online, Um, The best thing that I can do is just switch everything off then, make a cup of tea, watch some TV and just kind of ground myself that way. There really isn't a way that I sit, you know, and do the same ritual or something like that. I don't work that way. I'm more of the mind that spirit are around me all the time. So when I want to turn my awareness to them, I know they will be there. When I want to bring my awareness away from them, that's okay. I don't know. It's more of a blending, I suppose. Okay, so what's your cosmology? As of today, who do you think is out there in the spirit world that supports you and supports humanity? So for humanity, I mean, my way of, of, or my label, if you want to call it that, is more about just the higher power. I mean, people call the higher power many different things, depending on their faith, religion, background, belief system. Um, But it is one higher power and we are all connected to it. And we we are all connected to one another as well. So we are an energy source. Um, So that my belief for humanity is that, you know, that source is always there that we can tap into at any time. As humans and having the human experience, it's quite often that we don't do that. You know, it's quite often that humans go through their life and don't really understand how massive that is or that the whole universe is within them. Um, So it's quite a lot to get your mind around. 
obviously depending on your background, your environment, you know, all of that affects it. But it is there. The higher power is there all the time. And personally, for me and my journey and my um, own mediumship journey and my own personal life, I know that I have my spirit team there with me. Everyone has a spirit team, different guides, different helpers that will kind of come in and out to bring that guidance as and when it's required. So it's almost like being in school, you know, in in the lower years in school, you'll get a teacher that's available for that. And then in the higher years of school or college, um, you'll get a tutor that's of a different level. It's kind of the same. And we all have that, regardless if you're a medium, if you're you know, work in a shop, if you, it doesn't matter what your walk of life is, we all have that spirit team. I'm just probably, like most mediums, more aware of my spirit team because I have to talk with them and communicate with them throughout my mediumship. So I'm well aware of maybe five or six of my guides and who they are. And I know that there are many more that I haven't met as yet uh, and ones that kind of work in the background. Do you feel like your guides are talking to other people's guides, the ones that you're doing readings for? Or how do you think it actually works? I actually do believe that that happens. I know that uh, I sit for trance mediumship once a week with a, a good friend who's been involved in this work for many, many years, and she's a medium. And we sit together. And I know from what we have heard through my guides when they are talking that they are connected to her guides and that there is talk going on there and a kind of bringing that together as well so that there's development on her side too. So I do actually know that that takes place where spirit teams are involved um, with whoever I'm working with. Uh, usually in a reading, for instance, that like if a client come to me just for their own life stuff or their own people in the spirit side, it would be unusual I would bring their guides through for them. But if someone comes to me for a spiritual assessment on where they are in their own journey spiritually, then quite often guides and helpers can come in and kind of bring that guidance or evidence and knowledge of who they are. I understand that you like to help people develop their own mediumship skills. What are your preliminary steps in working with people to develop those skills? Firstly, it's about understanding where they are on their own journey with their mediumship. So some people come to me and they've never done anything before. Some people come to me that are, you know, experienced mediums themselves and they just want to kind of sharpen up some skills or talk to me about sharing skills. Um, so it depends where they're coming from, first of all. But if it was someone that was coming that was relatively new to it, it's about building the foundation for them. It's about sharing the knowledge of spirit first and kind of allowing them and sharing with them this um, vision of that they are spirit and getting them to believe that they are spirit in human form because until we know that we can't really tap into the power that is there we have to first understand our own power and our own essence to understand where it comes from and where the connection takes place so really firmly I believe in creating that foundation first of all and then building on the psychic skills and the mediumistic skills from there. So do you hear from your students a lot after they've taken some classes and and developed their skills somewhat? Do you hear what they're perceiving or experiencing? Yes I do I, I mean I think I, I would 
be able to say that I've stayed in touch with most of my students. Um, not all the time, you know, from time to time, some of them, some are more regular than others, uh, which is important to me. And the mentorship that I do, I've always said it's a one to one mentorship. It's not a you know, it's not a commercial thing. It's not where I've got 50 students all working from the same sheet. It's really a very unique one-to-one experience. And so when they stay in touch with me after it, it's really nice to hear from them and, you know, see what they're doing with it, see where they're going with it. And sometimes they'll get in touch still and say, I experienced this. Can I just share it with you? And can you give me your advice on it? Which I would always do because it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that ends. It's not something where you get a certificate and you're like, well, that's me accomplished. And that's what I'll do. Mediumship can't work like that. So I'm always open to hearing from students and seeing kind of what they've used, where they've gone with it and new skills that they've got as well. It's really nice to hear that too. Where do you think mediumship is going? Because it seems to be a lot more mainstream today than it used to be. It seems like there are a lot of mediumship classes being offered. I'm in California, so of course we gravitate more towards it anyway. But it just seems very present now in a way that it wasn't in the past so much. So where do you think it's going? Do you liken this to a blossoming of our collective intuitive abilities or or what? I think it's both. I think that there now what's needed is for an understanding from people personally that they do have an intuition, that they can call upon that and use that to move forward and progress in their own spiritual life, really, and understand that it does affect their human life. So I think there's a need for that. And I'm glad in a way that it is a bit mainstream so that people aren't so frightened of it and people are actually listening to the whole thing now whereas years ago it might have been that people shunned away from that because they didn't know what it was um so for that part I'm glad I'm glad it's helping everyone you know that chooses to tune into that and listen to that but the flip side of that is unfortunately that because it's you know social media and mainstream all the time that there are a lot of people practicing they're practicing mediumship out there and they're not sometimes it creates issues you know it creates an issue for mediums that are out there genuinely working trying to prove that this is real it can have the opposite effect so it's a difficult one because I know that we need the we need the platforms in order for people to know about it and not to be frightened of it and to educate people about it but at the same time I do think that it's a shame that mediumship is so like you know every man and his dog can do it now which I don't believe I believe that you're a, you're born to be a medium it's a it's something you've come here with from the spirit world in order to use it or not use it you know we have free will we can choose what to do um but it's a shame that it's just like everyone can do it now and everybody that attends a class will walk out of there as a medium I just don't promote that at all it's not something I believe do you think the UK has a special relationship with spirit in a way I kind of feel like England, Scotland, and Ireland are kind of, there's a certain energy there where I think people are more receptive to intuition. And, you know, in all honesty, I have met people from England who were more atheistic or were more maybe cold and hardened to intuitive faculties. But I'm always happy to be in the British Isles because I feel it's sort of comfortable for me that way. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I I agree with um, Ireland and Scotland specifically. I feel there's a real 
Celtic connection between Scotland and Ireland and we are very similar to one another and I don't know whether it comes from the way that we were you know in years gone by and generations ago were raised um it I agree there's just a certain spirit about Ireland and Scotland specifically I'm not saying that England aren't included in that but I do think that Ireland and Scotland are more I don't know, prone to it or, or have it in their generations and families. And if you look back in history and Irish and Scots, you know, it always seems to be quite prevalent. Um, and as a, as a Scottish um, person, you know, I would have to say that, you know, if I look back through my grandmother that I talked about, she was mediumistic. Her her mother was mediumistic. Her sister was very mediumistic. Um, and going right back, it was all mediums. Some skipped a generation, but there was always stories of mediums within my family. So I know that that happens. And I agree with you that it's a certain feeling here, a certain energy about it. The 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 thing is, though, I would say, though, that in the mainstream, um, you know, you said about... Um, atheism and you you felt like there was some of that in England and things I agree with that too so as much as we have that Celtic thing here in that spirit you know going back in time sometimes I think because of the way that we are here as well we're very close-minded at the same time so it's almost like that is there and it's very present for the people that know about it but for the people that don't know about it, they just close off to it. So it's almost like an opposite effect. Um, I know when I come over to the States, which I do quite often, you know, people are very open to it. It's a very open-minded thing. People are very open to hearing about it. So I, I guess it just depends on people's environments. But, you know, I agree with what you said. Ireland and Scotland, for sure, there's a, a deep, deep history and it's very rich within mediumship. Do you identify with any religion or spiritual path in particular? I would assume you were raised with Protestant Christianity. I don't know, but did you retain any of that? I was raised Protestant. Um, my father was raised Catholic. My grandmother that I talk about, she was raised Catholic. Um, so there was a Catholic religion within that side of the family. Um, not, I think come a certain point in time, probably when I was like a younger child, no one really practiced that religion, but they had all been raised that way. Um, and actually mediumship was very frowned upon, obviously, through that kind of religion. So my grandmother, when she used to talk about spirit, that's she just used to feel naturally because she could see them and she was aware of them that she didn't let her religion or religious background interfere with that. She just knew what she believed. So hence then that came on to me as well. Um, so I don't really identify with any religion as as such. I've never been raised that way. I don't know. I've never practiced it in any way. Um, basically, what my belief has always been is in spirit. It's just always been there since I was a child. So I've never really questioned anything else. Yeah, that's good. In a way, it keeps you kind of unbiased towards other people <laughs> of different backgrounds, right? Yeah, and you could see that people have different religions for their reasons and whether it's something they've been raised in, whether it's something they've found themselves. 
you know, I always believe that whatever helps a person, whatever gives them a faith, whatever gives them that way to go forward in their life, I am all for that. And it doesn't really, you know, I've had people saying to me um, as well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. It's against religion. You know, it's against my religion or it's something that's frowned upon. And I've had conversations like that many, many times over the years. Uh, and I always say the same thing, you know, it's each to their own and it's totally fine that you don't like it or agree with it it's okay you know people are allowed to feel how they feel about certain things and actually my um father's sister she was probably one of the only ones in the family that still practiced her religion as a catholic and when i uh, started to work with my mediumship my i said to my dad you know please don't tell her because i i know that it will offend her in some way and i I love her and I didn't want that to happen. And he went and told her and he phoned me and he said, it's just to let you know, you know, I told your Auntie Helen about what you do. And I was like, why did you do that? And we had this whole conversation and he said, I'm proud of what you do. You go out, you help people. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of who you are. And there's no badness about that. And if a religion can't see that, then that's fine. But that's what it is, you know. And I'll never forget the first day I went to visit her after that. And I was so nervous. Um, because it was my auntie and I didn't want to offend her in any way and uh, she'd, she asked me about it and I said look I know that you you know call your god god and I know that you do it your way and I love that I love 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 that because that's your faith and your belief and it's the same god it doesn't matter what we call it you know we kind of had a conversation with it she still never settled with it it's still not something that she likes but she understood you know after I explained that's just what I need to do so I just think each to their own and it's okay yeah that's good it's good to come to a consensus with family members somehow if you can and I think it makes everyone feel better if you can just maybe not love it but tolerate it and be somewhat respectful of what other people choose yeah and I think you've got to be at peace with your own stuff you know I I I I do um online work a lot of the time and you know if it's open to the public you know I'll get people that come on and say you know put comments and say you know whatever it's work with the devil or you shouldn't be doing this and all the stuff that you would imagine or you're fraudulent and all this and I always say the same thing that's okay like it's okay that you think that it's okay just be happy with where you're at and if that's what you think that's fine. It will never upset me. And I think that's something that I get asked a lot, you know, like, why doesn't it upset you? Why do you not get upset that people think that? And I said, because I know what's going on. I know. So it doesn't, it doesn't affect me that way. I just want them to be happy, whatever that, that means. You can't really change somebody's belief system if they're committed to believing you're this or that, and you're probably not going to make them budge. So it doesn't really matter they're going to have to go on their way and hopefully they will. The thing is as well, you you do get people that come along to things. I've had this happen a lot as well, where the, you know that people are sceptical and say it's an audience event I'm doing. If there's a hundred people in a room, I will always say, look, I, I know there's going to be some of you in this room that are sceptical or you don't know what to think or maybe you're kind of just interested or curious and then you might still be skeptical when you leave that's okay and I talk them through all that and say it's fine just be open-minded and I'll just share what I do and then you make your mind up but you're always aware you know of, of um, people in the audience that are looking like mm, they're, they're not really sold on it or maybe I remember actually a, a woman came for a reading and she came with her husband and as soon as he came into the room 
I was like, he doesn't want to be here. I knew he didn't want to be there and he'd just been told he was coming. And so they sat down and she sat at the front and he sat behind her as if, you know, I just get me out of here, you know. And um, I said to him, look, I know you're not a believer in this and it's okay. You don't have to sit in here, but you can if you want. And he said, no, no, I'll sit here, you know. And he wasn't happy. Uh, And immediately I felt his father come in and I'm like, in my mind, now, what do I do about this? Because it's the lady that wants the reading. But I just said what I got. And I said, I've actually got your father here. And he kind of looked like, okay, like as if, yeah, sure you do. Uh, and, you know, I brought some detail through and I brought his name in and I gave all the detail. And I could kind of see him going, right, okay. And he, he started to agree with it. And then I gave him two pieces of information that he could not understand. And he hung on to those two pieces of information you know, for dear life. Nope, 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 that's entirely wrong. And one of them was when your father died, your mum lit a candle for him in a church in Italy. No, my mum's never been to Italy. My mum would never go to Italy. And I said, that's okay. I said, I might have that wrong, but that's what I felt. And the other piece of the information was there's a, a an ornament of a ship's steering wheel that your father left. And he went, absolutely not. My dad had nothing to do with the Navy and went through all this. And I said, that's okay, that's fine. So off they went. Anyway, he phoned me about a week later and he said, um, hi, Karen, I was in and he told me who he was. And I said, oh, yes. Uh, He said, I went and told my mum what you said. And she said, that's right, about the candle. He said she went on a cruise with my auntie and I didn't know it had even stopped in Italy. And she went into a church and lit a candle for my dad and he was all beside himself. And I said, that's good then. I'm glad you found it. And he said, and the other thing is the ship steering wheel. Well, I told my mum about that too. And she went up in the loft and she brought it down. And it was something that my dad had picked up years ago and she didn't like it. And she just stuck it in the loft. And I said, well, that's that's great. I'm glad you found the, the information. So off he went. He phoned me about another week later and he said, um, I'm sorry to bother you. He said, but I really need to know how you got that information. <laughs> it's like he just couldn't. He just could not get his head around the fact that his father had came through and that his father was talking to him and bringing this proof. And we ended up, actually, we ended up, he came back to me for another reading years later. Um, And it changed him. You know, it did change his mind. It changed his mindset. It brought something to him that he didn't even know he was looking for. So I always say in that moment, you know, spirit brought him in. He didn't even want to be there, but spirit brought him in and knew what they were doing. And the intelligence lies with the spirit world. They know exactly what's going on. That's a great story. You know, I'm all for being skeptical, but you would have no way of brokering a deal with his mom and trying to figure this out. <laughs> I mean, it would just be absurd, but that's a wonderful story. You know, I have to add as well, it's healthy to be skeptical. You know, for anyone listening, it's healthy to be skeptical until you know that medium's going to give you something that mean something or that you know that they couldn't have known then it's healthy to be skeptical and I always encourage people until you know me until you know what I'm going to do or say then by all means you know that's fine we've talked about this before in the podcast if someone is trying to cure you of something if you'll only pay $500 more for further readings or whatever or give you tinctures that they're coming up with you have to be really careful. I mean, there are people who are going to take advantage of others, and we all know this. 
Of course, skepticism is a protection mode that we have for ourselves, and I'm all for using it. But in this case, you were doing a reading for someone else's wife anyway, and you were nice enough to bring in a message for him. So, I mean, it's an honest way to give somebody some evidence that what you're doing is real. But some people have an ethical dilemma with doing unsolicited readings, like that you should never give people information that they're closed off to. How do you feel about that? I agree with that because I feel that you should never give someone a reading that hasn't asked for that. So my the difference in that being that he came into my spirit room and he was with his wife. So I was able to say, look, can I give you this? Are you comfortable with this? And even though he was kind of like, yeah, all right, you know, like he didn't believe in it anyway, he was there. So that was different. But I would never walk up to someone, approach someone, or even if someone was in my company and just turn around and give them information. I, I disagree with with doing that because ethically it's not right. You don't know what that person's belief system is. You don't even know what that person's relationship was with maybe the person you're saying that you've got there. Um, so you can't really judge that. So unless someone asks me, I won't give them anything. You know, you see TV programs all the time. And I think this is, again, the damage that it does. The TV programs that are on show, you know, mediums walking up to people in the street and saying, hey, you know, I've got this person, that person. It's all set up for the camera. The cameras have been there. The person's been warned this is going to happen. It's all for entertainment. And because of that entertainment side to it, people then think that's what mediums do. Mediums don't do that. Mediums that have, you know, ethical standards will never do that unless you are asking them specifically or booked in with them. They should never do that. There's a kind of reality show ethos, I guess, that we have nowadays where this is entertainment to surprise people with things. But I'm glad that most, I would say almost all mediums I've interviewed are not the type to go up to people and just randomly give a message to someone. From what I can see, people are pretty ethical. It would be the odd person out who's not ethical. So how do you perceive the people coming to you for messages? What do you think they what do you think they really need nowadays? Are they looking for a confirmation that there's life after death or confirmation that they still have a connection to somebody? What is it that people are in need of most often? All of the above, really. I mean, I, I feel that if someone can come to me that's maybe in a, they're maybe in a position in their own life where they're making some form of transitional journey or that they're making decisions or that they're not happy, but they don't really know what their direction is. So that would be a psychic reading or maybe to do with their family members. Things like that is more about the life stuff. They can come to me in that way for a psychic reading. They can also want to connect with someone who's crossed over in hope that that person gives them guidance. So they might want to talk to their mum or their dad or their grandmother in the hope that they help them with their decision making process as well. And other times people come because they've lost someone and they're just in such grief that they need to know that person is still alive and they need proof that that person is still around them and there. So in all aspects of mediumship, it should be about healing someone, healing some wound with their own life or the, the spirit side of life and looking for that proof. Um, I guess it just depends on the client, depends on what they need at that point. But a big part of what I do 
in fact, probably all of what I do is more about knowing that when that person leaves me, they feel different. They feel like they have had that connection with spirit. They have received confirmation or guidance that is going to empower them and enable them to move forward in their life because that's really what it should be. Ah, that's a great answer. My final question is, when are you coming to the U.S. again? Anytime soon? I'm, I just came back uh, on Thursday. Um, I was over in Michigan um, for only for eight or nine days. Um, and I'm due to come back there some point in April. Um, so I'm just really getting dates confirmed and places confirmed right at this moment in time. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm so happy to have met you. We'll put the link to your website in the show notes for this episode so people can book a reading with you or try to catch up with you wherever you might do an event. So thanks again, Karen, for coming on. That's okay. It was really lovely to talk to you and um, I'm sure we'll talk again at some point. Yeah, I hope so. Blessed listener, please leave your questions or comments for this episode or any other episode at disembodiedpodcast.com. We appreciate you. 